So here we are in the season of creation, a season where we can take note of what's happening in our world today, and our world is hurting. We see that in the news each day. In the last week alone in the United States, on the, on the West Coast, we had huge wildfires, and each year those fires get worse and worse. And on the East Coast, Hurricane Ida crashed into New Orleans, and then up the coast, dumping vast amounts of water as it went, causing loss of life and massive damage. This is happening around the world, in Europe, in Asia, in Africa, and here in the Pacific. Our world is hurting. It is imperiled. Humanity's greed, exploitation, exploitation of, disrespect for, and connect, disconnection from creation has, has resulted in climate change, biodiversity loss, and life-threatening pollution. In the face of all of that, it would be easy to be overwhelmed and feel paralyzed with fear. The challenge for us as Christians is how do we respond to all of this from our faith? The world doesn't need more fear. What it does need is an urgent reframing of our relationship with God's gift of creation and for people to act on this. And as followers of Christ, we have much to offer. This is, for the last two years, we have joined our fellow Christians from many denominations around the world in the annual season of creation, as the little video just showed. And, well, every day should be a season of creation, but from the 1st of September through to October the 4th, the day we remember St. Francis of Assisi, we are given this opportunity to pay attention to our relationship with creation and all who share this world with us. And to hear again the invitation to join God's creative work, renewing God's gift, our common home. This year, our theme is... We're already there. What do you know? Our theme is uh, a home for all, renewing the oikos of God. And the central image for this year is Abraham and Sarah's tent, although the organizers keep talking about Abraham's tent. Pretty sure Sarah had a role in it as well. Uh, and this is taken from the story in Genesis 18, where they welcome and offer hospitality to three strangers who turn out to be angels. In this picture that we have before us on the screen, uh, the tent is open on all sides. It offers welcome, shelter, refuge, and safety to all. The image invites us to consider this world that we live in as God's tent and to reflect on who is excluded from our world today, which people are excluded, and which creatures, which life is excluded. And it invites us to prayerfully consider how we might live so that all creatures and all people who share our common home or oikos might have a place. The word oikos is an interesting word. It refers in the Greek to three related but distinct concepts. It refers to the family, 
it refers to the family's property and it refers to the house. So when we talk about God's oikos, we are talking about all three of these of these concepts, God's family, the family of God's property, and the house of God. The organisers for this year's season of creation have focused on two, family and house. God's household includes each and every beloved creature that God has created. All life plays their own distinctive role as members of this household. And as part of God's household, they are equally loved by the creator and are equally important. This is good theology, but it's also good science. Science tells us that the web of life, which we would call biodiversity, is a very intricate web where each part plays its own distinct and equally important role. And when we start to remove any of those parts, then the whole of the web, the whole of biodiversity is under threat. As part of God's household, all life is equally loved by the creator and all are equally important. God's house is the created world we all share. In the creation stories in Genesis, God creates all that is and places all under one dome, the oikos or house of God. In Laudate Si, Pope Francis calls this our common home. So the oikos of God then refers to both God's gift of this world, our common home, and to all life that belongs to God's household, not just human life. But wait, there is more. Oikos is also the root word for three words that are fundamentally about relationships, because this term oikos is about relationships. The first of these uh, is the word ecumenical or oikomeni. This word describes how now, it describes how we as Christians stand and work together as part of God's oikos. And it describes the kind of relationships that sustain our common life as the people of God following the way of Jesus. No matter how difficult or tricky that is, and at the moment it is quite tricky. It has been for, well, most of the last 2,000 years. The word ecumenical, oikumenic, can also refer to how all of humanity shares our common home with each other and with all life, even nasty little viruses. And again, this is about the kind of relationships that allow us to share and sustain our common life. So at the very heart of the word of ecumenical is this concept of the kind of relationships that allow us to share and sustain our common life. The same is true for the second word, oikologia, ecology. Ecology describes the relationships between animals and plants and non-sentient organisms and minerals and how each play a vital role in maintaining the balance of this beloved community. Each creature is important and contributes to the health and resilience of the biodiverse ecosystem 
in which we all live. Humans belong in the right relationship within this God-created earth community. We are made from the same stuff of the earth and are cared for by our co-creatures and the land. I wonder how often we think about that, that we are cared for and our life depends on our co-creatures and the land we live on. A final word I'm sure you can guess is oikonomia, economy. This term originally referred to the rules within the household that allowed the household to flourish. So those rules weren't just rules for the sake of it. Those rules defined the relationships within the household and how that household was to run. Too often we limit the word economy to being about money. If you watch the news at night and you would be uh, right to think it's about money and what happens on the stock market. But economy in its fullest understanding is rightly about the relationships between people and creation. As the psalmist reminds us this week, the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. We are embedded in God's oikos. And life-giving economies pay attention to human, humanity's relationship with the rest of creation, how we grow food, use our energy resources, how we create and produce, how we build and transport, and how we discard all of those things and more affects the resilience of our planetary systems in which we are embedded and affects the capacity of the earth to heal itself and to sustain life. Economy also alerts us to the fact that how we live affects so many people around the world whose lives are being destroyed both by our production methods uh, and also by our land use and our pollution, and finally by climate change. So let's go back to the tent, Abraham and Sarah's tent. Again, this tent is open on all sides, and it offers us an image of life-giving relationships with all. It offers an image of welcome and shelter, and refuge, and safety for all, all, not just all people, but all life on this planet. It offers an image of life-sustaining relationships among all who share our common home as members of God's oikos. For the next few weeks, we will be listening to the letter from James the Just. This letter is about lived faith. It wasn't Luther's favorite letter. He called it an epistle of straw, and I think he tried quite hard to get rid of it out of the biblical canon, but it's a very important letter. I don't think Luther really understood exactly what it was about. It was an invitation to live in such a way that his brothers and sisters, wherever they were in the world, would bring healing and health uh, to their communities. This week, James calls attention to the way his hearers, including us, live out our faith, toward, especially towards the most vulnerable. 
to use the metaphor of the tent, he was pointing out that they had rolled the sides of the tent down and had included inside the tent the rich and the wealthy and the powerful and were leaving the poor on the outside of the tent. They were pretending that, that they lived isolated lives. We are pretending that we live isolated lives. So what relationships then do we need to repair? That's the question that all of this asks of us. The image of Abraham and Sarah's tent invites us to roll the sides back up again and to see how our lives affect the lives of others around the world, all our brothers and sisters in our common home. And so over the next few weeks, that's what I want to be focusing on. Not in a way that makes us feel guilty and powerless, but actually in a way that says we could make these changes. We could change the way that we see the world in which we live, and we could live a little bit differently, and we could invite others to also live a little bit differently in hope and faith. In the theme I wrote for this week, I quoted, well, in fact, I didn't write it, Archbishop Justin Wobby wrote it, and I just quoted chunks of what he said to the international faith leaders who are gathering uh, on occasions throughout this year as they prepare for COP26, the climate change conference, the UN climate change conference, which is a very important climate change conference. Most of them up to this point have been about what rules would they put in place. This one is about, so what are you doing? We've got eight years. What are you up to? So it is a bit of a crunch climate change conference. At the end of his, uh, at the end of his little speech, he's, uh, of his address, he said, "To live out my Christian faith is to follow Jesus. This must include standing alongside the most vulnerable and marginalised on the front lines of climate of this climate emergency. As faith communities, my prayer is that we might stand together." emissaries of hope and love, calling for God's justice and peace upon this precious world. Now is the time for action. And so for the rest of the season of creation, I invite you to prayerfully consider how we might offer a place for all creatures and people who share our common home or oikos. And I offer this prayer, which has been written for the season of creation, which I will now pray and was at the end of the sermon notes that were emailed out. Creator of all, we are grateful that from your communion of love, you create, created our planet to be a home for all. By your holy wisdom, you made the earth to bring forth a diversity of living beings that filled the soil, water, and air. Each part of your creation praises you in their being and cares for one another from our place in the web of life. With the psalmist, we sing your praise that in your house, even the sparrows find a home and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. We remember that you call human beings to keep your garden in ways that honor the dignity of each creature and conserve their place in the abundance of life on earth. But we know that our will to power pushes the planet beyond her limits. 
our consumption is out of harmony and rhythm with Earth's capacity to heal herself. Habitats are left barren and lost. Species are lost and systems fail. Where reefs and burrows, mountaintops and oceans deep once teemed with life and relationships, wet and dry deserts lie empty as if uncreated. Human families are displaced by insecurity and conflict, migrating in search of peace. Animals flee fires, deforestation and famine, wandering in search of a new place to find a home to lay their young and live. In this season of creation, we pray that the breath of your creative word would move our hearts as in the waters of our birth and baptism. Give us faith to follow Christ to our just place in the beloved community. Enlighten us with the grace to respond to your covenant and call to care for our common home. In our tilling and keeping, gladden our hearts to know that we participate with your Holy Spirit to renew the face of your earth and safeguard a home for all. In the name of the one who, come, who came to proclaim good news to all creation, Jesus Christ. Amen. So instead of um, our normal prayers today, we are going to watch another video. Uh, it's by an, an English priest in Leeds who uh, works um, kind of associated with the normal parish, but works uh, in the city of Leeds, um, looking at what church might look like in new ways. And for uh, the lead up to this year's uh, COP conference in Glasgow, he's written 26 prayers. This is the 26th COP. Uh, and he's put a number of them uh, to, uh, made a video for, for a number of them, maybe even all 26, I think. Uh, so we're going to look at the one about oceans. I need to apologise to start off with the language is reasonably traditional, but nonetheless, uh, it allows us to both pray and lament and confess all at the same time. So let us pray.